In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bet crazy. Yeah! You're the pop- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Hello, and welcome to the Betches Sub Podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And I'm Amanda Duberman. And the Betches Sub Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit happening in the news, brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're talking about racial disparities in COVID-19. Back to school season. And the president's race-baiting speech at Mount Rushmore. Let's get well, today, into it. Today felt like the day to bring back the, the run-through because there's just so many topics every day. There are so many. It's like we're now just living with the backdrop of corona and the backdrop of like BLM as sort of the baseline that we're all working from. And then we're building the news on top of those. These are the B plots. Yeah. Or they could take over, you know, I don't know. Sometimes we get bottle episodes. I love a bottle episode. I think the Mount Rushmore thing was a little bit of a bottle episode. If you ask me. Yeah, for sure. That's like a mid season, a mid season finale type thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, how it's was your 4th just, of July? Are you feeling patriotic? No. Um, <laughs> I felt a lot of grief over the 4th of July. Um, I mean, to start, none of us are living normal lives where, like, you know, we could have a celebration at all. Um, so on top of the danger and the risk and the sort of lack of social responsibility associated with celebrating, um, I also felt a sense of, like, oh, this holiday was actually... A serious lie the whole time yeah. and something that I used to like look forward to like a fun 4th of July weekend that was not that was uh, it sort of yeah. feels like I guess maybe a child learning that there's no Santa Claus yeah <laughs> um, and that it just felt like dirty and I I don't know. I tried yeah. to like, you know, make the best of the weekend cuz you know, we were away, it's a weekend, you want to relax and you know, how you can, but honestly, I felt a lot of grief. Yeah. There's really, yeah, the same. I mean, there's really no silver lining or positive. I mean, I, I was in the city and there was a protest organized that I could go to. So I had like a great day because yeah, because like protest organizers put on this amazing protest that went seamlessly and like, I'm just like, we're so lucky to have the privilege to be able to go to these because like if you've got any protests, like it's not an accident that you're getting from point A to point B safely and without any issues. It's because there are organizers and activists who are planning out routes and the safest way to go and how to negotiate with law enforcement and how to keep people safe. And there are bikers that are blocking people off. Like it doesn't just happen. So like people spent lots of weeks planning out the ability for people like me to go protest yesterday. And so I'm very, very grateful that I, I felt like I was doing something sort of productive and there was sort of a, I do have the sense that in the future there could be a way to make the day like joyous in a defiant way. And that's the spirit I definitely felt in, in the city. But it was funny, even like 
we were talking to, I was talking to our e-commerce person, Barry, recently, and we couldn't even come up with like an appropriate word for like a discount code because it was like, there's nothing good about this. Everything is dirty. Yeah. It, and it's, it's not just like, oh, the hot, like we're all having sort of a reckoning around the holiday. It's that we also can't celebrate for like any reason. So <laughs> it's, right. Yeah, it's just de depressing for everybody. I mean, when I was looking at what you were covering of the protest on July 4th, I was my thought was kind of like, this is probably the most authentic July 4th one could have. Um, and it was what you were doing. Yeah. So I'm so proud of you. Oh, yeah, it was fun. Like I said, I was so privileged that people like set that up. Like somebody handed out pages of the history books in Washington Square Park and we all burned great. them. And I posted them, but then I took them down because I was like, is this a crime? I don't know. I'm still figuring out like the most appropriate is way. Is book burning a crime? No, it's not. I don't think like putting out a, 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 putting on a fire in like a public space is oh. the best, but it was quick and safe and easy and it, and it was fine. Um, and then, I mean... And then on, what was it, Friday night, a woman in Seattle was killed protesting, which I didn't yeah. find out until the next morning. So like I said, like, it's not nothing that people are figuring out ways for you to like get from A to B safely. And it's not a guarantee. And yeah, just like, what a terrible weekend. There was so much horrible. violence, I think, in Atlanta and Chicago. I was, I had, like, I had a good weekend, like personally, yeah. but I felt like oh, a sense of global anger, devastation, like... Like yeah. I don't like I feel really angry at the moment. Um, I text I slacked you like very early this morning. Yeah. I'm so angry. Me too. <laughs> like, at everything. Yeah, it feels like we're living in a third world country. Obviously, I know we're not, and we're very we have privileges that are just like accidents of our birth. Apartments. Yeah, yeah, but they're not because this country like is thriving. They are yeah. by accident of our privilege. Yeah. Right. We yes, exactly. Like what we have is because we were born to a lot of very lucky things in yeah. the sense that like the, in the sense that it's aligned with the hierarchy of the powers that be here. But yeah. it's not again, like I realize more and more like every day, like the depth and the truth of the saying, like we're not free and, and no one's free until everyone is. And it, I feel not, I don't feel proud to live in a place and I don't really want to celebrate like, the faux independence of a place that as they were declaring independence, didn't think to be like, Oh, well maybe we shouldn't own these people right. anymore. And I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, and it, I feel like, but for Hamilton coming out on Disney plus, that would have been a completely irredeemable July 4th. Oh, but then even then everyone's like, this just points out how disappointed, disappointing we are. Yeah, it's, it, it does. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I like to think, like, if we were there, we would have been on the right side. And I think, you know, now we're trying to our best to be on the right side of things. But it, it feels very powerless. Like, it really yeah. feels I feel so frustrated. I feel so, like, angry, angry, resentful, wanting yeah. to kind of, like, undo all of it. Yeah. And I, when we were talking about this, I'm interviewing Zerlina Maxwell later today and that episode will be out, I think on Friday. And I actually, I'm going to ask her if she wants people to be hopeful reading her book. Cause I actually felt hopeful after reading her book. She really lays out why, like if the democratic party does this right, like the future is ours for the taking, we're just squandering every opportunity by insisting on like, it's just a couple of groups of white dudes in Wisconsin and Michigan that we need to woo back. Like, no, stop ignoring 
the reality of what's actually happening. Like we, we're not, we shouldn't be wasting our time trying try to convince this small group of people to be unracist. Like the, like 2045, this country is no longer a majority white country. Like it's a fact. Like, let's, well, that's let's what they're, that's go. what they don't want. Exactly. They want right. it to be minority rule of white people under like some sort of like religio fascist system. So right. get your handmaid's cloths ready <laughs> just in Truly. case. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Speaking of just completely ignoring uh, how our policies actually affect people that are not white and rich and men, we're starting to get a clearer picture of the racial disparities in COVID-19 infections and deaths. So this has been, we've had some statistics for the past couple of months on top of like very clear anecdotal evidence that this is obviously impacting people of color, uh, BIPOC disproportionately. It's been hard to get good data. Number one, giving people the benefit of the doubt, people are moving really fast. Like it's hard to write everything down. People just want to like treat people and figure out what to do. Um, but also there's not a great incentive to keep data when, when you're mostly killing black and brown people with <laughs> when this the disease. data doesn't look good for you. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, 
some lawmakers in the Senate a couple months ago, I remember Elizabeth Warren and um, Kamala Harris and a bunch of mainly black female uh, lawmakers were like, you need to start keeping data on this. So the New York Times sued the CDC with a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit, basically to force them to release what information they had on race. Um, a couple months ago, like Coswells weren't even like writing it down. And like I said, that's tough. You're moving fast. But this is really important. Like somebody from the UK DM'd us recently when I had posted something about racial disparities. And she's like, I know Americans don't like to say this, but like, this is a genocide. Like when an issue is disproportionately killing black and brown people. And yet you have people partying and throwing pool parties and going on vacation. Like that's, that's a genocide. And that's what this data sort of seems to show. So I'm happy that you're willing to just like say the word because you know, I'm used to people saying that that would be alarmist. I know. I'm catching up to you, Sammy. I am catching up to you. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) We all are. I mean, this isn't the first time that, you know, Puerto Rico, you could argue that that was a genocide. Like genocide can happen in way, you don't need to build Auschwitz to have a genocide. Like most, in fact, we're not, most genocides that have happened, we're not done that way with like, you know, mass efficiency it's just like neglect done purposefully um i listened to there was a gaslit nation episode about like stalin's famine where he just like starved let people starve like yeah inaction actually is like a little bit more effective the yeah. food blankets to the native americans completely i i on one of the first podcasts when this started happening i like said to kaylin i was like do you think that this that covid is president trump's um, Katrina moment. And she corrected me. She was like, no, 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 Puerto Rico, Hurricane Maria was his Hurricane Katrina moment. Like he already ignored, blatantly showed he does not care about anyone but white people. That was his Katrina moment. This is just now he's bringing it to new moments that presidents before didn't even really have. But so, so, so far this data, it's painted a very damning picture of how COVID is like everything else in America, disproportionately hurting non-white people. So black and Latino residents in, in this analysis, they were grouped together are three times more likely to become infected by coronavirus than white residents. And they're about twice as likely to die from it. Those are huge numbers. Those are, that's, those are huge it's numbers crazy. and they're especially disturbing when you, I'm sure like all of us saw on our feed over the weekend, lots of large groups of white people gathering in the background of what is becoming a genocide. I was watching some of these people gather in person. <laughs> yeah. In fact. Totally. Um, but so I just want to, before we go on to like, you know, the next, the next piece of the outline, um, Aileen and I just interviewed a doctor on Diet Starts Tomorrow, which will come out on Sunday. And we actually spoke a lot about, about health disparities, particularly what in general and when it comes to Corona. Um, and there's just such a huge storm of factors that are, that are causing these statistics, not in the very least, just like simple neglect and like shitty care that people, that people give to people of color but the comorbidity of having obesity is so much worse in in black and brown communities like i think she said 60 percent of black women have obesity mm-hmm. and that is one of the main complicating factors for coronavirus plus on top of that they're not giving they're giving substandard care in a lot of places so it's yeah it's just like an overall neglect and that is caused by white supremacy and there's really no other, there's really no other like way that you can justify it other than that. Yeah. And yeah. And it's interesting. I'm going to jump ahead to something. So the, one of the experts in this New York Times story was like, there is a lot of focus on comorbidities and that's huge. That is a big part of it. But what they wanted to 
point out was that like this is also basically my sense was like it's frustrating when people are just shouting it's like black people are dying because they have diabetes no it's also because black people disproportionately work in these essential fields and are exposed because they have to go to work it's like it's not just because of the comorbidities it's because states like there are things you can do you can't address systemic racism tomorrow but you can close down your county tomorrow so that people aren't exposed more like it's almost like it's not it's true and it's very real but like my sense is that some people are using it as a cop-out to not like really take accountability for the role that the government could be playing in like helping keep people in their homes and not expose people as much well i do think that that is that part what you just said i think is the element of like people not getting it like preventing the spread and and something else is when it comes down to like housing affordability nationally latino people are twice as likely to reside in a crowded dwelling meaning less than 500 square feet per person as white people, according to the American Housing Survey. And we know that part of it is about being in proximity. So I think there's two pieces of this. I think that there's the piece that is causing people of color to get coronavirus at higher rates because they're not as protected in terms of their housing, in terms of their jobs. But then I think what complicates the illness for some people is the lack is basically that they get substandard care and they have comorbidities and let's be honest they don't just have comorbidities for no reason they have comorbidities because of how the country has treated them for decades and centuries it's not just like random that people of color have more comorbidities like it wasn't it's not genetic Right. Absolutely. Like they literally, there are areas in this country where you literally don't have access to the things that are required to like maintain your health. Yeah. And that was by design because of periods in time of white flight and areas being devastated. Like this is all, we've been talking about this for weeks now. Most, a lot of people have been talking about this for years. Like it's yeah. not an accident. Right. The key thing is that it is by design, whether it's yes. that, that, that people of color are getting more coronavirus or whether their their situation, once they get it, is is more dire. It is all built into the system, hence why it's systemic racism and not just your racist aunt. Right. Exactly. And this data in the New York Times is from May 28th. So that's a little bit old, like most of the data we work with with COVID, which is frustrating. It's always a little bit behind. But Experts were like, don't don't think this means that in the suburban areas where it's spiking now, you're going to see less. It's actually, the disparities actually are likely to grow when you get outside of urban areas because like in urban areas, a lot of people work in essential fields and a lot of people live in really close proximity. But when you get further out, it's more likely that black and Latino workers are working in places like grocery stores and are disproportionately impacted or more likely than white people out there to live in multi-generational households. So they don't expect those this spike that we've seen in other parts of the country to even out these disparities whatsoever. You're also probably more likely to have physicians and medical personnel of color in urban areas where there are more people of color. So those like part of what this doctor said on DST was that like she grew up in Atlanta where there's the highest per capita amount of black doctors. So she was she could like see herself and always felt like she was getting good care. And it didn't like until she was seeing white doctors where it occurred to her like, oh, this person doesn't look like me or understand me in the way that they should. And it matters. Yeah. Language skills. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Also, oh. we just found out before we started recording that Hera uh, <laughs> Bolsonaro has COVID too, the Brazilian yeah. president. Every tin pot dictator except for ours. Like, how is this possible? And I, 
you know what I was thinking? The UK has improved and they were on track to be even worse than us. And I can't help but think that some of that was turned around by Boris, by Bojo's own experience in the hospital. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. I mean, the, the most seriously Trump ever took this is when he was like, oh, yeah, a couple of my friends almost died. He doesn't have friends. That's true. That's a lie. <laughs> Those people from their hospital beds were like, no, 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 no. Don't, Please don't, don't come near me. Don't bring me into this. Yeah. Don't bring me into this. But I think we're, we're with what? It's like us, Brazil, and Russia that are ranked the worst for this. So that's our company. So let's uh, pivot to another element of the crisis, which is the economic part. Um, yesterday, the White House released specific information about the recipients of loans through the Paycheck Protection Program, um, which you might remember was the program which basically just paid businesses to keep their their employees on the payroll. And there were um, basically like at one point restrictions on how quickly they had to pay that out, out that money, but they kept changing the guidelines. It's like wild. Um, so the goal of PPP was to offer loans to businesses with less than 500 employees in order to offset losses by coronavirus shutdowns. However, several larger and more high-value businesses and organizations still got loans through the program. Um, one example would be Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy, which is supported by Jared Kushner's very own parents foundation. They received a loan from one to $2 million, but the loan, let's be clear, they don't have to pay it back unless they fight, unless they lay off their employees. So as long as you keep your employees like at, almost, I don't even think it has to be exactly 100%, but I think it's like 80 almost. Um, yeah. You get to keep the money and you don't have to pay it back. So they're just basically giving you that money. Um, Yeezy, who uh, announced his president, I can't talk about it, whatever. We're not talking about it. Um, received between 2 and $5 million in loans, even though Kanye West claims he's a billionaire and his wife also claims she's a billionaire. Um, they still needed a measly two to five million dollars. Listen, claiming you're a billionaire and stealing from the government is the most presidential thing that Yeezy has ever done. Amanda, that's He's hard. His way. Please don't. <laughs> you're you're really making too strong. Have you too seen true the comparisons though between him, how we treat him, and how we treat Britney Spears? Uh, that's an interesting point because. No, like, like yeah, I, I, I read that the I headline was sort of like, she is, I hadn't really looked into this. Like that woman has no rights. Like no, we actually really like a minor. do need to free her. She can't do anything by herself. And Kanye West could, there's a case to be made. I'm not a mental health expert, but I have seen mental health experts speculate as to what's going on with him. And he is going to run for president and he's like a crazy genius and she has no rights. She can't use her credit card. I know. I know. I, there, you know, I don't want to talk about the misogyny (laughs) that is probably inherently there. Um, because if you think about it, she's controlled by her parents, which is basically kind of like a dowry situation, you know, like it reminds (laughs) me of that. Um, and Kanye, he, I, I, we can't do this. I just, I literally don't have the brain space. I think it might be easier to talk about the president's insane speech at Mount Rushmore. Easier. Easier. Okay. <laughs> Should we play a clip from it? We have a very brief clip. Play a clip. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, to fame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. I mean, okay. That was first of all, first the of all. thing was just like, there's a radical attempt to 
rewrite our history, which like objectively kind there of actually true, is. And I am we're here for it. I don't know if we're like rewriting it to be false though. Like I think we're rewriting right. it to be not fucking bullshit propaganda lies. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're doing a, a heavy fact check. Yeah, which is like if you value truth, although I don't know, maybe we don't value truth. Are we sure everyone values truth? Definitely not. No, I, it's not indicating so. And this but, is why it's important to do stuff like make sure you're keeping track of how many black and brown people die during a pandemic so that when you're writing the history books, they can't just say like, oh, there was a pandemic and it killed 130 or who, who even knows where we're going to get to it, killed 200,000 Americans. That chap, that paragraph needs to say and a majority of them were not white. That is a crucial part of it. Right. And it needs to have, there needs to be data. I mean, although they don't even care about data. Only we care about data. So like it depends who's writing the books as Bill Barr would say. Um, (laughs) One thing I just want to point out before we get into like the deets of the speech, Mount Rushmore, please everyone do yourself a favor. Google a zoomed out image of this absolute atrocity. I can't believe I am 31 and I had never like actually thought to like think about what Mount Rushmore looks like from afar. It is hideous. It is Gauche, gauche. I don't even know how you pronounce that word. What, how do you pronounce? Gauche. I think gauche. It's gauche. Yeah, it really is. It's the yeah. tackiest thing that we have. It is like not even done seamlessly. No, and we blew up sacred looks- stolen land to make it. Right. It literally looks like. Okay, it would be one thing if it were like seamlessly in the mountain, but they have destroyed like all the surrounding area so it literally looks like an incomplete like cement piece yeah it, it looks, looks like, like when dentures. they yeah it looks like when they what do they call they restore those victorian paintings and then totally botch them like it looks like like the botched version yeah like whose fucking idea it's like it is so American, though. It is truly, it's probably yeah. the most American thing we have, possibly. There was an amazing tweet that was like, somebody realized this thing's only like 79 years old. And the yeah. tweet was like, we canceled Bill Cosby at 76. We can get rid of this. It's not like this ancient thing. It's like it's 80 years old. Right. We can, and it's we can get ugly. Rid of it. Who it's ugly. did it? Who? It's wrong. Who was like, this is okay. I have a feeling the the real reason, and I don't want to insult anyone who isn't from South Dakota who is listening. I think it's because it's in South Dakota and people don't visit it. So they're like, wait, they're like, I didn't know it looks like that. (laughs) We can't have that. Yeah, that's true. If if more people visited it, there would probably be some, some, some complaints to the manager. (laughs) Yeah. It's like underwhelming. It is. I don't even know. Yeah, we if you are, go to South Dakota, there are better things to see. America has never been known for its art. No. It? No, um, really? I don't think so. Andy not Warhol. Like, exactly, exactly. That's it. And he even and that's not kind even of that camp. cool. It's like, yeah, it's like soup it's cans also and consumer, It's also like a shrine to consumerism in a way. Right. Like his, his yeah, we don't have any of our has, own stuff. His art literally has logos on it. Right. Brand that's quintessentially American. Yeah, someone uh, Norman Rockwell. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of too. But that's also like all of our art just points out how boring we are. 
it's because we're so obsessed with status and money and getting more shit and not on like actual like human values. So that's the problem. Anyway, speaking of being focused not on the correct values, um, during Trump's speech, he only mentioned the coronavirus one time. He mentioned the national movements right out our to wipe out our history, blah, blah, blah. Um, he alleged that the left wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution, which I yeah. can't even unpack that. He declared a goal to land on Mars because that would also that would be very useful to us at the moment. Why don't we try getting to Europe first? Um, and then he said and then he said that the radical view of American history is a web of lies. Which Correct. is true. It is a web of lies, just not the kind you're saying. <laughs> and um, there were a lot of peaceful protesters there, um, many of whom were advocating for indigenous rights since it was on indigenous land as well as BLM. Um, but they were peaceful and they were met with pepper spray and dispersal orders as one does, you know, and when you're trying to embrace the First Amendment. Um, yeah, and the Navajo Nation has the highest death rate of, from COVID of any U.S. state, and I don't think that the president mentioned that at all. Did they give them COVID blankets? Oh, God. Jesus. They Although it's not really spread to. through surfaces as much, so. Right. I don't it just know. might Although, be airborne. Right. We'll talk about that maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, and some other really annoying, terrible news. So we're learning a lot this morning, a little bit more about how college is going to work. Some of the big, expensive, fancy schools are starting to say, you're going to come back a little bit, but not all at once. But new ICE regulations, immigration and customer enforcement, mean that international students will not be able to remain in the country if their universities move to online learning for the fall semester. Um, so the regulation says that the international students may not take full online course and remain in the U.S., Quite simply, the Migration Policy Institute reports that over a million students are currently studying under visas that will be affected by this. This comes as Harvard and Princeton and other schools announce remote learning for the fall. A few other schools are starting to announce some classes that will be taught online, some hybrids having certain percentages of students um, on campus at once. I certainly hope those percentages prioritize the people at risk of getting fucking deported because of this, but something tells me that if Trump University were still around, then this wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that was all online, wasn't it? No, there was, there was like in-person stuff where they would like scam them. Yeah. It was a bunch, it was a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that this is, do you think this is a maneuver to get the schools to open or do you think it's to get the students out? I mean, I guess it's, it's a win-win. It's so win. strange because these are literally the immigrants that you say that you want. They don't want people, any immigrants. They don't want any immigrants, right. Like, this is like, this is the same as what they just tried to do with DACA is kick a bunch of young people out. And, and you had all of these companies and universities saying, like, you realize that, like, this is why people come here because we let them do whatever and we let them be the best. If you stop that from happening, why would anybody come here? And Trump's like, exactly. Right. He's revealing that he'd never bought into that narrative. It was always like, just, yeah. it's always just about the bigotry and the racism and, you know, that's just yeah. what they're about. I mean, that it sort of <laughs> seems to expose to Harvard, like, so ICE told me this isn't real school, so I'm not going to pay for it. Right. Right. That's like, right. That's very that's actually a great point. I heard Princeton's giving a discount. Oh um, yeah, they are. I think they're giving like a 10% discount or something. That's it. 
Right. Somebody are in, somebody told me that their school, a big private school, was asking for donations. She was like, I'm already donating to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I pay yeah. so much money. Cornell. Oh my God. Cornell texts me. Hey, yeah. like our alumni fund. It's like, bitch. Right. They've no. been texting me for, Barnard's been texting me for years asking you for my new address. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Look, I loved my time at Cornell, but you guys are doing fine. Yeah. You're doing fine. It's really okay. Also, you left her down out of the graduation program, and <laughs> I can't abide by that. Unforgivable. <laughs> Unforgivable. Unforgivable. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Is this the end of the podcast? That's the end of the podcast. I wanted to do a shout out because we haven't had a podcast since to everybody that watched our live show. Thank you. Oh, yes. It was such Thank a fun you. response, and everybody shared and said the nicest things. We had a great time. We did. We're going to do another one. Yeah. Um, and if you missed out on this one, I'm sorry. I think you can still watch it at betches.co stop live. I'll share it today on the on the Instagram. And uh we have we had about double the amount of questions for each segment, so we can put on another one tomorrow. <laughs> Literally with just like part two of this one. Yeah, there were so many more questions for that was this year, and that was definitely the the most fun uh part of it. So it was really fun. Did you call Rand Paul or write him a letter? No, no yeah. we didn't call did him. That? But I've never won that game before. Oh, really? You know, I really have to hand it to him for being against the lynching <laughs> bill. I think that clinched it for that him. That definitely did. That definitely yeah. did. <laughs> All right, Sammy. Until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. Betches.